0: Welcome to Iron Rhetoric, with your intrepid host, Pastor Brett McAtee. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and, behind the dim unknown, standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. Good evening, Uh, my name is Brett McAtee. I am the pastor of Charlotte Christ the King Reformed Church in Charlotte, Michigan. I am deeply honored to pastor this group of people. Um, I don't think that I could find a better group across the nation. Now, obviously I could be wrong, but I'm very happy to be pastoring this church. And I'm happy that you're listening tonight to uh, Iron Rhetoric. Um, Some of you may know maybe more than a few that, um, recently I've had a book published, which is a grand thing for me. I never thought that would happen. It's called, um, saved to be warriors. Um, a guide to R2K theology, I think is the the latter part. I might be getting that one wrong. And so in honor of the the publishing of that book, and I want to thank Pactum Institute and Dr. Adi Schlebusch. um, and Ruben Alvarado, the, the publisher at Pancrater Publishers. Um, but in light of that, I thought I would take another stab at just looking at the basics of R2K. Um, because I find that, and we've done something like this previously, um, but I feel like we need to continue to be looking at the basics so that our people, uh, the reform people, can understand what the incredible danger is of, um, well, when I'm in a bad mood, it's heresy. When I'm in a good mood, it's heterodoxy. So you make up your own mind. Um, but the reason I keep going back to this is because this, this issue um, is either going to destroy the Reformed Church, um, at least the visible church, or if it's defeated, it may be a harbinger of, of reformation within the church. So I thought we'd look at uh, just the, trying to look at just the basics again tonight. Um, If you want to know more about R2K, go to Iron Inc. Um, It's splattered um, with information on Radical Two Kingdom theology. Um, You can find me responding to people that are advocating uh, Radical Two Kingdom theology. Um, All kinds of smart people. Um, that suppose they have embraced this, that just are wrong. And so R2K is a treasure store of, of uh, critiquing Radical Two Kingdom. Um, I, got re- I get requests, um, I just got one a couple weeks ago, matter of fact, um, to give the highlights of R2K. So I put a list together. This list is dated somewhat, but it's still uh, appropriate. Um, some of this is from a conversation I had back and forth with my good friend uh, Mark Vandermolen, so he gets a hat tip for some of the language that's used below. Um, It provides, what we're doing here provides a tolerable beginning for those trying to get up to speed, and it does take a while to get up to speed on this issue because there's so much subterfuge and contradictions and inconsistencies uh, with R2K, and so because of that, it's hard to It's hard to pin pin them to the wall, so to speak. So as we start here, we'd say that first thing that we want to know is that R2K posits that there are two kingdoms here on earth in which the righteous dwell. That's the first point. There are two kingdoms here on earth. That's why it's called two-kingdom theology, radical two-kingdom theology. We should say at the outset that that which is going by um, the handle R2K is completely um innovative it's only it may be 40 or 50 years old at most Um, nothing like this existed prior let's let's say 1970 just to put a date out there Um, and so there is a two kingdom theology that's that existed before that but it's it's of a different variant a substantially different variant than r2k so the first principle is that they posit there are two kings on earth on which the righteous dwell. Those two kingdoms are referred to as the church realm or the grace realm, and the other one is the common realm. Uh, grace, in this world view, does not restore nature, and nature is never mixed with grace. Um, thirdly, for R2K, those two realms are hermetically sealed off from each other. You have to understand that, you know, some one of their um, wags has called living in this kind of worldview, the hyphenated life. And the reason you can call it the hyphenated life is that, well, your life as you live in the common realm is hyphenated from or separate from your life as you live it in the church realm. So they're hermetically sealed off from each other. Still, Christ rules in their worldview each realm. But as I said, in a hyphenated manner. In the common realm, which is the kingdom of the left hand, Christ's lordship was put on display indirectly via natural law. In the realm of grace, the kingdom of the right hand, Christ's lordship was put on display directly via special revelation. And because all of this is true, according to the kingdom of the left hand, natural law then becomes the norm that norms all norms in the common realm. Whereas in the kingdom of God's right hand or Christ's right hand, It's special revelation that is the norm that norms all norms in that realm of grace. So you have two different laws that are governing each of these realms. Now, depending upon who you talk to, um, those natural law and special revelation, I don't think there's one concrete answer in terms of just exactly what their relationship to one another is. In R2K, again, it depends which theologian you're talking to. Um, When we continue to look at this step by step, we would say that the grace realm, remember that, again, that's the kingdom of God's right hand, is ruled by Christ via God's special revelation, that is the Bible, and is reflective of the Abrahamic covenant. So the church alone is the present institutional manifestation of Christ's redemptive kingdom, right? If you want to find... The grace realm, the place that you find the grace realm, is in the church. The common realm, on the other hand, the kingdom of God's left hand, is ruled by Christ via, as we said, God's natural law and is reflective not of the Abrahamic covenant, but of the Noahic covenant. As the Noahic covenant makes no distinction between believers and unbelievers, so this worldview goes, the state should not require nor promote any particular religious commitment to norm participation in the social order in the common kingdom. The state has no duty in this worldview, the worldview of R2K, no duty or goal to aid the advancement of the spiritual kingdom. And indeed, it would be wrong for the state to do that. Now, how they navigate around some of the confessional statements, I think it's Belgian Confession 36, uh, some of the Westminster language. Um, in terms of the state not having a duty or goal to aid or advance the spiritual kingdom, um, I don't know how how they get around that, uh, because uh, Bel- the Belgian Confession says the mag- magistrate has responsibilities to look for uh, the advancement of the kingdom. But this is again, we're looking at R two K, and it, it says no, the magistrate does not have that role. His role is kind of a referee. In this common kingdom to make sure that natural law applies uh, to to all different faiths to everyone equally Uh, we look next we say since the church has its own realm um, that is the grace realm it is not ever to speak of matters pertaining to the common realm Um, that is what they call famously getting out of your lane the preacher is not to get out of his lane it's none of his business So he is supposed to speak on law and gospel, uh, typically, and not to speak of matters pertaining to the common realm, because that's not the church's business. It's not his domain. It's not his calling. The church cannot and must not speak to issues that exist in the common realm. The church must only speak to the redemptive realm and to individual personal morality that does not coincide with the public square, um... For example, uh, you might be told what it looks like um, to "thou shall not murder" regarding your neighbor, but that would never be applied so as to say um, Christians should oppose uh, abortion as the different states try to pass new legislation regarding it. They wouldn't. A thoroughgoing, thoroughbred R two K person would not do that because that's not their lane, and not their business um it consistently held to um this means the ministers have no business praying at town meetings um for uh, another example of that is uh, recently an oklahoma governor had some kind of prayer and uh, a christian prayer and r scott clark one of the chief r2k fanboys uh, was all over him faulting him for uh, as a magistrate praying like that so um magistrates don't pray Uh, ministers have no business praying at town meetings writing letters to the editor about public square issues that's out of the question for ministers or even officiating at common realm events that's confusing these two realms and so that shouldn't be done ministers as ministers belong to the church and must not speak beyond the church as ministers right so Christianity is then reduced to its individuation, its individual aspects. There really is no macro application as it applies to the culture or social order that we live in. It's it's verboten uh, to talk about those issues. As we look at R2K, we say next, because the common realm is common, and again, note the importance of the word common, Because that's true, it's nonsensical. It's absurd to speak of in terms of Christian culture, Christian family, Christian education, Christian law, uh, Christian anything for that matter. Because the common realm, by definition, cannot be animated by the Christian faith. If it could be animated by the Christian faith, then it, by definition, wouldn't be common. So we need to stop talking about these different categories um, per radical to kingdom. Now, some time ago, I saw a conversation between Robert Godfrey and David Van Drunen on R2K, and Godfrey nailed Van Drunen on the idea of dropping Christian family. Um, And I would say that... If even one category, such as family, can still be considered Christian, that means the door is open for all these other categories as well. Uh, We can talk about Christian culture. We can talk about Christian education or Christian law or any number of things. Um, And so but consistent R2K guys, you're not going to hear them talk about that language because the common realm is common. It's not supposed to be Christian. Um, they would probably say it's not supposed to be Muslim, it's not supposed to be Jewish. Of course it is. I mean, it ends up being one of those things. I mean, for example, Hamtramck today, which is one of the most concentrated Muslim populations in America, Hamtramck is in Michigan. um, They just passed a law allowing slaughter of goats for one of their holy days on private property. Um, That shows that the faith ends up entering into the their common realm so that the Muslim faith is now coloring <laughs> hamtramic affairs. Um, but in the R2K world, common is common, and so we don't advocate um, these ideas. R2K denies that there is or ought to exist such a thing as a Christian culture. In point of fact, R2K denies any and all ideas of Christendom. They don't even they don't like the idea of Christendom, period. One of the practitioners of R2K has even said, quote, that Christendom was a mistake, adding with a parting shot, good riddance. Again, we would we would know here that reality doesn't go away. If a body of people are not going to be underneath the idea of Christendom, then they're going to be under some other kind of dum, uh, which is just a suffix for kingdom. They're going to be under Islamidom, uh, They're going to be under Tammudism, uh, They're going to be under humanism Um These are inescapable categories. So if you're going to get rid of Christendom, you're going to end up, by doing so, embracing some other false religion. It's hard for me to see how that's not idolatry. Honestly, I mean, I just read a quote from Tim Keller from September of uh, 2022 in the Wall Street Journal where he says he doesn't want to live under a Christian government. He wants to live under a democracy, and I, I'm paraphrasing there. Um, but what else can that be except except idolatry? All right, I, I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes here. Um. Next, some R2K advocates will even say that Christians in the common realm should not appeal to the Bible in their discussions with the pagan about policy matters for the common realm of social order. In their lights, we as Christians should instead appeal to natural law, which in their lights all men have in common. So from a natural law view, we might say incest is wrong when arguing on a policy in the common realm, but we cannot say it's wrong from a general equity biblical case law um, of course, the problem with natural law is whose natural law? Um, there is as many natural laws as there are different philosophies or worldviews. You're going to have a different natural law for nihilism, a different natural law for existentialism, a different natural law for transcendentalism, romanticism, a different natural law for Darwinism, um, a different natural law uh for, again, any number of other prevailing philosophies. Um, so I guess we use natural law to figure out which natural law we should use. So, um, if R2K, a lot of R2K guys will say that you don't appeal to the Bible and our discussions in the common realm. But why not? I mean, how much more authority can you have than thus saith the Lord? Now, it may be the case that you don't want to put it you know, the Bible says, uh, you may want to just advance the idea knowing that you're, you are quoting scripture. Um, other times you might want to say the Bible says, um, but it's my conviction that we need to be arguing from our presuppositions, our authoritative presuppositions of scripture. Um, next, when we talk about R2K, and again, we're just looking at the basics here, I feel like if people get the basics down, they'll be able to pull that thread and, and see where it goes in other directions. Um, The Old Testament moral law applies to believers in their personal or private lives. This is R2K. And though it might apply to the common realm, the church cannot do the applying. That is left to the believer alone to do. Um, R2K advocates, or at least some of them, they advocate individual Christian involvement in common realm affairs, but it refuses to give a thus saith the Lord from the pulpit or declaration on any of that involvement. And so the uh, the R two K guys will talk about commonly about having organizations, um, clubs, um, g- groupings of advocacy, and they'll say, "Well, Christians can can gather these groupings. They can they can go into organizations." And so, for example, um, it could mean that one set of Christians could start a a Christian Marxist club, and another set of Christians could form a a Christian limited government club. And both sets of Christians would be equally honored in the church to attend because the church does not get involved in these common realm issues. And so you could have all kinds of different organizations or institutions organized by Christians advocating for the direct opposite position on any number of issues. You could have Christians for abortion. Um, You could have uh, Christians for Drag Queen Story Hour. I mean, theoretically, you could have, you could have all these organizations, but the church isn't going to do anything because that's not the church's ballyhooch, and so it's never going to give a. Thus saith the Lord, it's never going to tell <laughs> the the Institute of Christians for Marxism, hey, you guys are. You, you guys are of your father, the devil. It, they're not going to say that because that's not their issue. Again, remember, it's a strict law gospel approach, a very individual approach. Um, Indeed, in their world, it would be grand if people of the Christian Marxist society were in the same church as the people of the von Mises, uh, the Christian von Mises society. Um, They think it would be great. See, isn't this a wonderful thing? Uh, We have all these differences on these issues, on these social issues, but when it comes to the Lord's Day and we come to church, those issues don't matter because we're all coming in to worship the Lord, you know. <laughs> well, if that doesn't strike you as bizarre, I I, I don't know what to do because it strikes me as just it's just damn strange, right? We're we're winding down here. Uh, R two K says next, the moral law from the Ten Commandments applies in all at all times to all men, but the Ten Commandments do not. This is accomplished by abstracting the meaning of the Ten Commandments from the Ten Commandments themselves. Don't ask me how they do that. I don't know how they do that. I just know that they do that. So moral law becomes largely, at that point, synonymous with natural law. Um, so that when you listen to them talk, um, you're going to think that you're hearing something that you probably aren't. You know, they're talking, they're, they've so they put natural law and moral law so closely together but they haven't told you how they've extracted the moral law from the Ten Commandments. It's just an interesting phenomenon. As I said earlier, so I say again here in R two K land, uh, clown world, uh, Christians live as hyphenated beings. Um, when we're reading R two K, for example, one has to watch for this dividedness. This uh, I would say it's an absolute dualism uh, in everything they write. Um, because of this dividedness, you'll find their speech full of contradictions that can be maintained because of their inherent worldview dualism. One example of this dualism is when we hear R2K practitioners saying things like, quote, according to this dual ethic, namely the natural law justice ethic governing life in the common kingdom and the grace mercy ethic governing life in the spiritual kingdom, ours is a divided existence. And so even their ethics are divided Um, ethics in the natural law justice common realm area but then ethics in the grace mercy ethic governing in the spiritual kingdom i mean you got to be careful if you meet one of these guys because you just don't know who's going to show up i mean it it could be uh it could be person a who's who's going to show up and talk to you in their dualistic world or it could be person b you know you just you just never know Uh, Not all amillennialists are R2K, but all R2K are militant amillennialists. This is another marker. Um, When you meet somebody who's R2K, you have shaken the hands of an amillennialist, a militant amillennialist. Um, Their amillennialism informs them that Christ cannot and does not have an embodied temporal corporeal victory that mirrors the submission of all kingdoms and disciplines to the authority of Christ in and over this world. And so their theology is designed to ensure that that embodied victory cannot come to pass. And so um, they've, they have this conviction that, well, from a post would say it this way. They have this conviction that Christ is not going to win in space and time and so they've developed a theology. That's their eschatology. And so they've developed a theology that will support that and make sure that that will happen. Um, r two K then, of course, tends to be in, in a postmillennial world. Tends to be retreatist, pietistic, quietist. Um, it's almost like um, they want to be defeated. Beat me, beat me. That's so so lovely. Beat me, beat me. At least that's the way it comes across to me. Um. We're winding down here. R2K was developed and honed um, as the antidote to theonomic postmillennialism. Um, you want to get a, you want to get an uh, R2K fired up. Start start talking about uh, the glories of Bonson, Greg Bonson, or uh, R.J. Rushdoony. Uh, boy, oh boy, they'll get fired up at that point. It's interesting. That's the one place you will get these guys to fight. Um, <laughs> they'll fight against the fighters. They'll fight against the warriors, and the warriors are in the camp of the theonomic post Um They also love to jam together uh, theonomy and federal vision when they have been told repeatedly that federal vision and theonomy are not synonymous, but it works in order to advance their agenda and so they are constantly tying those they're trying to tie those two, two together at the hip. <coughs> Because of their theology, some R2K types will tell you that they can and would not discipline a church member who advocates for, as just an example, same sex marriage in the common realm because the church has nothing to do with the common realm. I think I hinted at that before. Again, there's going to be degrees of R2K ness. Um, you're going to find somebody who's really out there on the edge, like DG Hart, um, David Van and You'll find then you'll find other people that are not as as soul committed to the whole project. And so you're going to find different varying degrees. Um, One of their main tools is what's called an intrusion ethic. R2K employs an intrusion ethic in order to dismiss the continuing validity of the general equity of the Old Testament judicial laws. This idea of the R2K intrusion, intrusion ethic is that the ethic of the Old Testament Israel as based upon the judicial laws... And the judicial laws, we just say here, were the case laws applying the moral law <coughs> was the ethic that reflected the theocratic kingdom of God come near. In their world, when that theocratic kingdom failed with Israel's failure, Israel's unfaithfulness, in their worldview, their R2K worldview, the theocratic kingdom with the kingdom ethic that shows up in the judicial laws was taken off the earth and won't appear again until the consummation. Therefore, per per R2K thinking, um, those who disagree with them on this and say the judicial law still has uh, the general equity power in it, um, according to them, when we say that, when we hold the judicial law still has general equity authority, they'll accuse us of trying to immunitize the eschaton, uh, trying to bring the kingdom of God near to man um so our answer to that again is going back to what was said already is that they're likewise trying to immunitize their eschaton their eschaton everything uh, blows up at the end the church is this small little handful of survivors the engines are surrounding fort custer and a small surviving handful is about ready to go down and and at that point jesus enters in and, and rescues fort custer and the handful that remain and so because they have this pessimistic view of history, they likewise are doing the very same thing they're accusing us of. They are immunitizing their eschaton. And let's be frank here. Everybody, to a certain degree, immunitizes their eschaton. They seek to bring into the present what they believe the future is going to be like, the eschaton. That's the future. Now, of course, I, I thoroughly agree that that can be done in an extreme fashion, uh, so that it gets all together unseemly and ugly and and uh, dystopian, but there's always going to be a little bit of emanatizing the eschaton in everybody's uh, worldview and everybody's teleology. So in order to in order to understand r two K, you have to understand that the law delivered at Sinai under the Mosaic covenant was a republication of the covenant of works, and it was in effect only during the time of Israel's theocracy. And so the R2K lads are insistent that the, the judicial, or sometimes we call them civil laws, are completely passe, that they're as gone as the ceremonial laws. They've ended. And they'll have, hear no arguments about the general equity that Westminster 19 talks about. This is, again, how you can identify an R2K champion. R2K also will typically advise their people to obey Caesar in every situation and policy unless Caesar decrees that the redemptive realm must be shut down and worship must cease. Now, what's interesting about this entry tonight is I did this in 2013. Um, What's interesting about that is that I was proven right in spades when COVID came along, because this is exactly what the R2K guys did. Um, when, C- when Caesar said, shut the churches down, they shut the churches down and they faulted people like John MacArthur, uh, for opening up when they did. And so they have, we might call it Caesarism. Uh, they have a real knee jerk, uh, to obey Caesar at every turn. And the reason that is, is because they believe that Caesar, um, is over the common realm, no ifs, ands, or buts. Of course, there's all kinds of historical Reformed theology that that challenges that. You go back to Knox, you go back to Christopher Goodwin. There's all kinds of historical theology. You go back to um, the Huguenots and their famous document, the name of which slips me right now. Um, but they did not agree with this Caesarism that R2K is practicing. Uh, in the R2K world, if Caesar mandates homosexual marriage as one, just one example, then Christians must support Caesar in this and will only work against such a policy within the confines of what Caesar determines to be the law. Um, again, that would be the most consistent R2K types. And so if you've been listening and understand where I've been at, you can understand why I'm apoplectic I think I got that word right actually I'm apoplectic about this r2k sweeping into the church and taking over everything I mean I think I'm convinced it's the majority report in our seminaries as well so that means you send your young man off to seminary conservative seminary and this is what he's going to be taught now I don't doubt that there are exceptions out there um but by and large, the church, the Reformed Church has been r 2 k One more then we're done. Um, R2K will say, principles of mercy and forgiveness do not govern the con- common kingdom. They say the common kingdom is supposed to be governed by Lex Talionis, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Um, and I suppose, I suppose there is some truth in that. Um, the only standard that the magistrate can use for justice is, 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 God's word. Um, and so, um, there is this idea of, uh, having a standard. However, this would rule out if it was to be consistent, this would rule out pardons and, and, um, what's the word for something mutating a sentence? Um, can't remember the word it's okay. Um, this would end the idea of pardons, because pardon is an expression of mercy or forgiveness. Commuting, I would end the idea of commuting uh, a sentence, because that's also an expression of mercy and forgiveness. And so, you know, we even you take issue with this. So again, what I've given you, I did clear back in, in 2013, so almost, well, yeah, 10 years ago now, I was hot on this issue 10 years ago. And again, uh, the book has come out. The book isn't intended to be exhaustive. Uh, it, is, it is not intended to be an academic read. I purposely wrote it so that the laymen, um, elders, uh, could read the book and get a handle on the dangers of R2K. I've just given a Whitman sampler this evening of uh, an, an idiot's guide to R2K. And the book uh, expands that a little bit more. And it's my hope that this book will get into the hands of a lot of ruling elders as well as teaching elders in our Reformed churches. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and may the Lord Christ gladly rule over you and everything. Thank you for joining us this week. Look for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Don't you know she could bring a good feeling? Ain't having such a long time. Save my life, I'm going down.